This presentation is from UX Australia 2020, Day 2. Our next speaker comes to us from the States as well, from Ohio. Keith has been a UX practitioner um, for many years. Um, and he and I met, we uh, sort of recollected, he and I met in person for the first time at the IA Summit in Memphis in 2009, uh, going back a little ways. Hello, Keith, thanks for joining us. Hello, I'm here, I'm relaxed and awake. Wonderful, I will hand over to you and let you uh, entertain us. Good. All right. Uh, thanks for for uh, uh, letting me speak here with you, and uh, we'll we'll zip zip through some things and leave some time for questions at the end. Uh, I appreciate the Steve the theme that you said systems. The the theme is about the systems that we operate in. So let's spend a little bit of time talking about this system called user experience that we that we do our work in and and that we try to stay sane in. So, um, sort of the, the premise here is the world of user experience is confusing and messed up. So, what a good way to begin. Um, a little bit about me. Um, I'm a consultant. Uh, so, I see the lens through helping, helping companies uh, develop their user experience practice. My career spanned uh, academia, industry, and consulting. So uh, I think that, that helps me sort of see things from different perspectives. And I've been an, involved in a lot of community things over the years, um, such as the first World Usability Day, uh, most recently 24 Hours of UX, which was just a fun event to do. Um, so um, I'll definitely have a, a community aspect to what we talk about today. So we're going to do some Zoom polling. So let me launch the first poll and see if this works. So I want to check and make sure that everybody's ready to begin. So go ahead and answer um, how you're feeling right now. Good, good. So yeah, um, when I first, the first versions I've done of this talk were in face-to-face -face meetups and so this was a really conversational thing so we'll try to use polls to just get some of the conversation going and we're at about two-thirds so I'll go ahead and do that and share the share the results so thank you for being nice and saying yes that you're ready that you're not just here waiting for Kath to begin and I'm looking around and I do not see my cat so hopefully I will be okay during this um, so let's keep going I got to get the poll out of the way now, sorry. So I have to begin with a quote. So the quote to sort of set the context, um, this quote from the uh, ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu um, is about thoughts, words, actions, habits, characters, and destiny. So we're gonna spend some time talking about how we think about user experience. What words do we use to describe it? Uh, because that helps form the actions that we take and and sort of the, the character, if we want to think of like the character for us as, as perhaps as a profession. I'm not quite sure. Um, but sort of set the context will be a little bit philosophical. If you're a Gandhi fan, he has a similar quote that you can do that one or you can, you can follow that one. If you've seen the movie, The Iron Lady, uh, Margaret Thatcher has a quote in there that's attributed to her that she expands upon. Uh, if I were really to pick a Margaret Thatcher quote 
to use for this talk. I would probably use this one instead though. Um, so I'm going to talk about different spins on user experience. Um, at this point, I'm, I'm up to about 16. I started with about 12. Just keep adding it over time as I've been talking to, to other communities about diff, uh, different aspects of user experience, um, getting at what, what do we mean when we say user experience, when we talk about it as a process or a methodology or as a skill. Um, nice to see some uh, sketch noters here at the events. Uh, I did this talk at a conference and this was the sketch note that, that uh, was done for the talk. Uh, which which is great, um, but I sort of uh, made the the uh, the sketch noter had a hard time because we jumped around in random order kind of thing. So um, the 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 net result looks coherent, but during the talk it probably wasn't so coherent. Again, these slides are available if you want to download them later on and follow along. Um, as I've been doing sort of research for this and studying things, there's other people that are talking about these different spins, right? So there's podcasts around user experience as a buzzword, as a mindset. Uh, if you're a fan of the Finding Our Way podcast, they're talking about user experience as a team, as a design team. Uh, I listen to What Is Wrong With UX a lot, and they're talking about, they, they hop around to different, different spins on user experience all the time, methodology in this particular case. Uh, it was great to hear Dan say about an hour and a half ago, what do we mean when we when we say we have design tools, right? So uh, digging down a little bit deeper into the words that we use to talk about it. And and um, Vinny, Vinny did a great job talking about skills, right? Is, is empathy a skill or not a skill? So um, those little details matter. So I'm going to expand on some of those. So here's an example. Let me pull up the next poll. What is your opinion of the term UXer? I'll spend a minute looking at some of those choices. We're at about 20%. Um, maybe some of you have heard the term UXer before. Maybe that's a new term. I'm not sure. And we'll, we're at about 50%, so good. Thanks for, thanks for contributing this way. What is your opinion of the term UXer? Okay, we're at about 60% and folks have stopped going in. So let me end the poll and let me share the results. Um, so, uh, looks like about one third of you said you probably call yourself a UXer. That's good to know. Um, some of you said it was better than UX UI. So we can we can talk about the the origins of that term and 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 uh, what good and what harm it may be doing. I see some folks said that they were confused, right? Because they were they weren't sure if I meant a user experience designer or a user uh, experience researcher. And of course, I love the answers. The, the last two categories are there, right? Like this, this is utter nonsense to talk about as a UXer or even to waste our time with this whole talk. So good, thanks for your input. Um, the origins of this was from a Facebook, a UXPA Facebook group post back in, in December, which was what, 
eight months ago, feels like three years. Um, on the left was some of their answers, a lot of, ugh, it was awful. Uh, but to me, what was more interesting was in the comments, you could see people having sort of like confusing, like, um, you know, is this a role or is this a skill? You, you saw some of those discussions discussions going on and then things started to get like snarky and mean of UXer that's a great term because you're all mindless we're all mindless pixel movers now and you know if if you graduate from a boot camp we'll call you that one but if you actually have a four-year degree then you get you get a better title right so you see some of these things that are that are um happening in our communities and of course then it, it, it sort of ended with why are we arguing about this at all in the first place um, so that's sort of the, the basis for, for what motivated me to, to start thinking about these different spins, breaking apart, what we mean, figuring out which ones sort of make sense and which, which spins don't make sense, but boy, we sure are spending a lot of time talking about them. Um, so I, I uh, oops, let me go back and get the video to play. So I had a 12, a 12 year old person help me write some JavaScript to create this little spinner on a web page where you can go and click on it and it will randomly pick one of these spins. In this case, it's a mindset. We'll talk a little bit more about that one. But when you hear somebody say like UX is easy, then they're sort of talking about it as a mindset. Um, we'll spend some time talking about user experience as an impression that, uh, that forms in somebody's mind as they're, as they're using things. Uh, we'll talk about user experience as a practice, right? So UX Australia, I would con consider this conference a, a community, a community of practice. And so when people are talking about UX conferences and so on, they're talking about how we do our thing as a, as a, as a community. And then we could talk about things of uh, profession, right? Or is there such thing as a user experience profession? And then we'll talk a little bit about a change agent. Like when you think about user experience from the perspective of being a change agent, at least for me personally, it really changed the way I thought about how I did user experience on a day-to-day -day basis, right? It wasn't, it wasn't just an academic exercise. It, it really mattered. Um, disclaimers, these are, these are sort of what I'm documenting that people are saying and doing. Some of them I don't quite agree with. Some of the, the quotes I pulled off are kind of controversial, um, but it's really just to, just to foster discussions and to get us thinking a little bit more about those. So we'll cover just the high level ones uh, with 16 spins. I need about two hours to go through them all if we really want to engage in lots of discussion around them. But we'll, we'll just cover some of these at a high level. So first, um, user experience is a buzzword. I'm not sure how much you're, you're experiencing it. I'm seeing, running, it all the running into it all the time. It's kind of hard to like, participate in, in design Twitter discussions and so on. Uh, one example, probably the most common example is when I see UX UI as a job title, I find out who came up with that term and I ask them like, where did that job title come from? That sounds kind of interesting. I generally get three different kind of results. One is like, I don't know, I'm the HR person. I don't know what any of these words means. I'm just, I'm just waiting for the resumes to, to flow in. Um, other folks, you know, when I probe, they admit like, yeah, this job is just really a, a bunch of UI design, a ton of prototyping. We need somebody who can crank out, you know, crank out screens as fast as possible. But if I add UX to it, I get a lot more resumes. It certainly sounds sexier. Um, and then there's another smaller camp that says that, that that slash isn't an equal sign. It's not saying that UX and UI are the same. It's really a plus sign. And this is just our new evolving T-shaped generalist role that, you know, long ago might have been called an information architect for a while, was called an interaction designer. And now it seems like people have settled on, for better or for worse, this, these 
five characters to sort of represent this role that we've had for quite some time. It just sort of changes over time. Um, so for me, there's a lot of buzzword aspect to it. But let's go on to the let's go on to the next spin. So let me launch the next poll. So a user experience is an impression someone gets when interacting with what? And I'll let you pick one and only one. So think about um, user experience as an impression. What would be the the rest of this sentence? Good, we're about 25%. Good, we're at about half, halfway there. Thanks for contributing. And uh, when I've done this, some of this in person, like, you know, you know, this can just lead to a tangent and we could go 15 minutes off. So, so again, and when we follow up with questions afterwards, or we could have, we could have Slack discussions around this. So good. We're at two thirds. So I'm going to go ahead and end the poll and share the results with everybody. 53% uh, of you said products and services. That's pretty good. Or at least that's pretty, that's at least consistent with what I've heard from other folks, um, products and services. A few people picked websites, a few people picked technology, a few people picked a company. We had a pretty good showing about 25% for a system, right? So a system and, and interesting. 10 of you picked people. So that this would be one, I, I might want to go down the tangent just talking about uh, interacting with people. This, this would be an interesting discussion. So again, a user experience is an impression that someone gets when interacting with, with products and services. So it seems to be what makes sense to us. Um, so for, for my spin, um, I'm making a statement, uh, user experience as this phenomenon is an impression someone gets when interacting with products, services, spaces, brands, systems, and organizations. So I purposely put a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo-ish stuff at the end of what they interact with in order to have a discussion. Uh, when I did this talk in Cincinnati, I believe, uh, some a couple folks there were like spaces. Let's let's talk about user experience of interacting with spaces, right? Because I think they were they were in virtual reality. Another person was sort of doing Internet of Things, right? So like, oh, this you know the world is changing fast. So we're going to have to keep reevaluating what we think of this user experience as a phenomenon is. Okay, um, but you know again, I just made this up to 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 trigger some discussion uh, during meetups. But there actually is an ISO definition. Did anybody know that there was an ISO definition? Does anybody know what ISO 9241-210 is actually, right? Most folks don't even know it exists, but it is an international standard that says user experience is a person's perceptions and responses resulting from the use and or anticipated use of a product system or service. It's hard for me to say it was written by academics, um, but it is at least something that, that we can hang our hat on as a community if we want to, to refer to this part of uh, this spin on user experience as a per, as as a phenomenon, and again, when you get to the slides, you know if you really want to read like a Kai conference paper that's like twenty pages, that's an academic analysis of it. You can. There's a link to it down there. We're not going to cover that. So, so what I did again to just help 
people think a little bit more about user experience as a phenomenon, I pulled up some of the different definitions and started breaking them apart into, well, in these definitions, who's, who's the actor? What term are we using for the actor or for the sensation or for this action? It's usually interacting and sometimes it's using. And then for the context. So the top row is mine. The second one is the ISO definition. The third one is uh, the, the current version on Wikipedia. And again, you can see some similarities to it. It's uh, a person or someone, different kinds of words for sensations around perceptions and emotions, and then different contexts, but usually product, system, or service. There's a couple other definitions that in this second batch are really like the simplest versions that I could find out there. So like the user's perception of a system. Ah, that's that's like as short as you can get. I was that like three or four words. Um, that might be a little bit too simple, but that's a pretty good one. Um, and then the last example is probably the most cited one when, it, when I'm surfing the web and somebody uh, creates a link for the word user experience. And for the definition, they usually go to this Nielsen Norman group definition of it's um, and then all of the aspects of an end user's interaction with the company, its services, and its products. Okay, which which is a little bit different, especially given in our poll, seven percent of you said company, right? And so, think about that. Um, once you start focusing on user experience as a phenomenon, then the next is what are these attributes of the experiences? I, I can't just think about these emotions and things separately. I need to start breaking them down. That's when you'll find Peter Morville's user experience honeycomb interesting. Uh, you'll you'll want to seek out books like measuring the user experience and do things like this UEQ, this questionnaire, where it helps you measure things like perspicuity, I think is how you pronounce it, which is like how easy is this to, to learn, but how novel is it? How stimulating? And of course, there's other usability rating scales of just, you know, was it easy to use, which is usually what people think of first when they think of, of this attribute. Um, so my sort of high level practical thing out of all of this, um, I recommend when I'm talking to my clients, one of my goals is to get them to spend more time discussing user experience as a phenomenon in their organization. You know, so constantly asking, like Dan Brown says, ask questions. How will that decision impact our users' experiences, right? Because we might have made that decision because it's going to make us more money or it's going to save us cost or it's going to be easier to implement. There's lots of reasons. Um, but as user experience is becoming a buzzword and lots of other things are going on, it's, it's easy to sort of get lost. It's this this spin uh, gets lost a lot of times in all the noise. And, and I wouldn't complain if people just stopped referencing the Nielsen Normal Group definition because I don't think it's all about companies. But anyway, also, and then just from a practical perspective, when you are talking about your users' experiences, try to use the most specific term that you can in your situation. That might be customer or potential customer or current customer often, but when I work with HR folks, we're talking about the employee experience, right, or the new hire experience. If you're in healthcare, you're probably going to be, you know, you're going to, you know, be talking about the patient experience all the time. If you're in government, it's the resident or the citizen experience. If we had more time, we'd actually talk about uh, our chickens experiences, but uh, we don't have time today to get to that. Uh, so another, let's do another poll here for the next set of spins. So let me launch a poll. Why do you do usability testing? This time, I'll let you pick multiple ones if you want to. And why do, why, or what, what have you found useful, usability testing useful for?
Okay, we're at about a third. This one's going to be a little bit harder to do the math because I can tell people are picking multiple things. So, which is great, which is great. And we do, so far we have one person who's honest and says they don't do usability testing. Okay, we're at two thirds. So I'm going to go ahead and end the poll and share the results. So what do we have? 90% of the folks say iteratively improve a design. That's, that matches what I hear from other groups. When people say, when people quote um, Jacob Nielsen and say you only need three to four users, it's important to note that, you know, that, that guideline applies to this type of usability testing, right? But usability, usability testing is a method that we can do lots of other things with. We, we, we don't do it just to improve our design. We sometimes use it for getting um, insights for user research. Like, like Dan mentioned in the previous talk, he did a usability test of the current site to help them figure out what, you know, what sort of things to do long before they started a redesign of it. I confirm launch readiness. Uh, sometimes when I work with startups, they say, is my MVP ready to launch? And I say, let's see if, even if it's, if it's viable, let's see if it's even usable first before we figure out if it's viable. Uh, you can benchmark with it. Uh, and again, um, I've often been called in to help clients simply wake up leadership and a usability test can be a great way to do that. In addition to all these other things, you make sure that your executives get to watch all the videos and so on. So great. Thanks for that input. So the key is there's a, there's a group of spins that are about what we do as user experience practitioners, the processes, the methodologies, the roles, the tools, and the skills that we have, right? And so the, the key is that these overlap as different activities, but we also sometimes need to tease them apart. Like, like, I, um, like, like Dan was just like focusing on tools. Sometimes we just need to focus on our tools. So as I've been talking about these different spins about our activities that we do, everybody's familiar with these different processes, right? So there's a sort of an iterative user-centered design process in the top, uh, double diamonds, you know, um, that, that Dan talked about. Here's the visualization of a double diamond. Uh, Here's the, the, the Cooper goal-directed one. And of course, if you've read Jesse James Garrett's Elements of User Experience, that's, that's talking about user experience as a process. So processes are important, processes, we follow them. But a lot of beginners, when I talk to them, they, they're taught a process and that's all that they know. They know the process, but they don't understand that we also have these methods, these methods like usability testing, these methods like eye tracking and different surveys and personas that don't necessarily go into a particular process at a particular time, right? So if you're really thinking about user experience methods, you're, you're thinking more like this chart on the left, which is it depends, right? Which, which user research method do we use? It depends on do you want behavioral data or attitudinal data, qualitative or quantitative, and so on, right? It's time to collect requirements. You might have only learned one way to collect requirements, but if you really think of user experience as a body of methods, you're, you know, every time you do a project, you should be like, well, wait, is, is, should we do personas on this project to collect requirements? Maybe we should try something new, or maybe some of the, the context is different. There's um, some other methods that you should be exploring. So all of these spins on user experience are obviously very important. Um, lots of conferences are all about the activities that we do. Um, I try to encourage my clients to you know, have a process and methodology, but make sure that you're still exploring and innovating. Some of them 
you know, have been doing things for a while, but they can't quite remember why. And so there's still lots of room for us to innovate. Uh, flexible roles is good. Uh, we could have a whole nother, we could spend an hour just on all the tools that are available now. The tools have exploded for us. Um, some folks, I think, obsess a little bit too much on the tool, and they let the tool then dictate the method and the process and so on. And as opposed to say, well, you know, this, you know, if we have a user testing.com account, therefore, we must always use it on every project, even if it doesn't make sense. Well, maybe not. Um, and we could talk more about skill sets. So let's do another poll for the next set of spins. So here's a scenario. Your executives want to invest more in user research. Hooray. What are you going to recommend, right? They're asking your opinion. Um, this one's a little bit complicated. You can only pick one, and it has an all of the above and then none of the above. So I'm going to give you a second to read them over a little bit while I get a drink of water. Okay, yeah, the answers are rolling a little bit slower here. And uh, this is a brand new question for me. I haven't asked this of a group before, so I have no idea what you guys are going to answer. I also have no idea if this is even a good question to ask, so we'll see. <laughs> okay, we're at about 50%. Fifty-five. We'll give you guys a couple more seconds to think about this. What would you recommend to get more resources for user research? Okay, we're at two-thirds, so I'm going to go ahead and end the poll and share the results. What did we have? We have 30% of you saying hire a few specialists to own the user research program. So that's the most popular one. The second most popular one is all of the above. Okay. Third most was teach everybody, teach every employee design thinking. After that, less, less popular were um, hired, hire designers to do the user research and find an agency and then Nine of you said none of the above. So again, we might have a discussion just around none of the above. What, what would you do in this case? Because obviously uh, it's complicated and I didn't list all the great options here. Um, but again, so these, this collection of spins, thanks for your input on that. Um, this collection of spins are about thinking about user experience as an organizational capability, right? How does your organization do all of these activities? And it's around um, how do you form your teams? What are the roles that are on your team? Um, do you, is it a design team or is it a customer experience team? Um, those sort of things. Uh, how user experience fits into your sort of organizational strategy, right? Your, your organization has business strategies, marketing strategies, brand strategies. Does it have a user experience strategy to sort of be on par with it? Or is, it, is your user experience strategy embedded in other ones? Um, it's also around thinking, thinking about our role as a change agent and what sort of mindset our organizations have when we even ask them to think about and focus on this, this, this phenomenon called user experience. When we ask other people to think about it, sometimes it sort of blows their mind. Um, so a little bit more on thinking of user experience as an organizational mindset. Um, 
I've come across organizations that think about it in lots of different ways. So it's, it's sort of like a, like a maturity model, but it's more complicated than that. Um, but sometimes when I, when, I, when I talk to some groups, they say like, this user experience thing is easy, right? We're, you know, it's an internal IT thing and we're making, we're making tools for employees. As long as we just stop thinking of as stupid users, like we're gonna like double, everybody's gonna be twice as happy. Okay, well, that's great. That's usually not enough, um, but there's one layer to it. There's other organizations I found that sort of, the ones that have a tool obsession are thinking of this as a mechanical process, right? They're sort of thinking like, if we can just get the mechanics right. Some groups have a process and when I ask them why, it's like, well, I don't know. We just have a process and we just follow it without really understanding why. Um, a lot make it think of it as more manageable. Some of them think it is more cultural. So again, thinking about user experience, what, what does your organization, how do they view it, right? How do they, how do they talk about it? How do they view it? Um, how does it fit into um, how they staff and everything else? Um, and so another one, uh, another one of these spins is around being a change agent. So I'll just tell sort of my personal story on this. Um, in, in my early days, I figured out that I was started worrying about change management as a matter of survival, right? Uh, one of my projects, uh, one of my big projects uh, out in industry, uh, when I first started was a complete flop and people, people, people got fired because our project failed so miserably, right? And I was like, oh crap, I don't like being on projects where people get fired. What am I going to do different next time? And what do the people around me have to do different next time? Because I don't like this sort of thing, right? So I just sort of, you know, like, like many of us, and I would go to the, uh, like the IA conference that Steve mentioned, and there'd be people there talking like, hey, we're information architects, we're change agents, here's how I'm dealing with uh, using information architecture to be a change agent. Over time, I got a little bit more serious, I started hanging out with professional change managers. It took me a while to figure out that like, you, you can get a PhD in this stuff and these people, you know, they write books about all these methods. So I bought the books and read the books and I went to conferences and I did a world cafe model, which is pretty cool because we're used to writing stuff on post-it note, but in a world cafe, you're allowed to get crayons out and write on the tablecloth, right? Um, over time, then this became one of my consulting advantages that the clients would appreciate. They'd say, Keith, we need you to do some user research and we need to do a usability test but we also need you to change the culture around here a little bit, right? Because not only, you know, we need you to do a test, a usability test, but once you're gone, I need everybody else to agree that we should do usability testing all the time. Oh, okay. So then that changed the way I consult. And now, you know, now I'm a paying member of some professional organizations called change managers and I go to their conferences and I go to their talks and I'm starting to give back a little bit. Sometime next year, I'm going to do a talk with the Ohio change managers. They're all excited about personas. So they're, they're starting to use personas in their change management work. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell them great stuff about personas, but also some of the things I've learned over 20 years that eh, personas aren't, aren't perfect either. Um, so when you think about user experience as an organizational capability, um, here's some, here's some advice, take it or leave it. Um, if you want to build an empire, own user experience. There's certainly times when, when my clients need to build an empire, they need to own user experience, they need to contribute to the bottom line, they need to increase sales, they, you know, they need to build their empire, and that's great. Um, nowadays, I hear lots more folks talking about this democratizing user experience, right? So should we, should we own the user research or should we teach everybody else to do user research? To me, that's a no-brainer if I'm trying to actually change the organization, right? So again, but think, thinking about these spins on 
um, user experience as an organizational capability helps you deal with some of these sort of big issues. Of course, it all depends on your organizational culture, design maturity. So whenever anybody asks me a question like, should we democratize our user research? My answer is, of course, it depends. And so that's just the beginning of the conversation. So one more poll, I promise. So let me launch the next one. What should you study to be good at UX? And here, I'm, I'm, I mean study in general. So it could be going to a university to get a four-year degree, but it could be going to a boot camp. It could be just like buying 20 books or whatever. Um, but what, what, what do you think you should be studying or at least what other people may want to study? Okay, we've got about one third of the group in. And of course, I'm sure I left lots of things off. The actual list that I wanted to list like had 20 different items on it, but I, I had to sort of cut it short here. So, um, but we, we can talk about why there should be a list of about 20 things here. Okay, we're at a little over half. Okay, checking how we're doing on time. Okay, good. Again, thanks for playing along, trying to make this as interactive as we can. We are now almost at two thirds. So let me end the poll and share the results. Is this what you expected? So we got 50% uh, of you said cognitive psychology. Um, about one third said human computer interaction. Um, about a f an eighth said graphics and visualization design. Oh, I'm, only two of you said library and information science. Three said business. Four said rhetoric and writing. And two said criminal justice, right? So why did I list criminal justice there? Not because users are criminals and we, and we need to treat them as such. Uh, but I've worked with one company where uh, they make software for uh, police departments in the United States. And so their user experience team is actually made up of people that have studied criminal justice. And then they just learn a little bit of, you know, they learn the user experience on top, but you know, they hire people that have a lot of deep experience in that, in that subject matter expertise, right? So again, part of being like, when I mentor with students, what should I major in? Well, what are you passionate about? If you're passionate about criminal justice, study that. You, you could then, you know, be a great UX person, uh, in, in the criminal justice uh, industry or in, in the system, if that's really what you want to do. So there's lots and lots of career paths. So let me stop sharing that. So again, thank you for the input. So again, this collection of spins are around user experience beyond your organization, right? So you might work for a bank, but there's lots of things that we're dealing with, with around user experience that, that that you know stretch beyond where you work. So we'll talk about uh, lots of community things. So this sort of bucket is community things, uh, some academic things like a field of study, um, profession. Um, uh, I've heard the word user experience industry used a lot and I'm not quite sure what it means, but uh, we could have a discussion around what, what it would actually makes, does it make sense that we, uh, to even think of us as an industry? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. 
So again, in this collection of ones, so I did a little bit of research around sort of the state of user experience as a field of study at four-year at four-year four universities in Australia, right? So this was from from me from far away. So I'm I'm sure it's not a, an accurate representation of what it's really like there, but for me, looking you know surfing the web and reading conference proceedings and so on. I see, I, I found lots of human computer interaction researchers. I couldn't actually find a lot of programs called HCI, but again, I might've been missing it. And um, supposedly, right, this HCI professor, Aaron Quigley just started at, at, uh, at New South Wales, Sydney in computer science. That seemed to be a big deal because there was like lots of press coverage of, of this HCI professor coming to Sydney. Um, I didn't find much on library and information science or like an information architecture specialization. I found a ton, I, I list five here for graphics and visual design, but that's like, that's a drop in the bucket to what I, start, I started finding it, right? It looks like lots of degrees coming out of design that uh, combine in with design computing or a dual degree. Um, so again, I'm looking for, you know, like classes that talk about I'll talk about user experience specifically. These aren't just general classes, you know, because of course you could get a general purpose design degree and still be a great UXer. But these are programs that that started talking about user experience specifically. I found a little bit of cognitive psych psychology research labs, business management, and then uh, found one in gaming, which like sounded a little bit interesting. Or like they're coming at it from a gaming perspective and saying, hey, if if you're good at making video games, then you can make all sorts of uh, all sorts of experiences. Again, this is a biased view of just one day of me surfing the web. We could have another conversation or we could go much deeper into it and you could explain more of what sort of the state of UX as a field of study is for Australia. Why does this matter? Well, this this graph isn't the, the number of uh, COVID deaths in Ohio, uh, although it could be. It is uh, Nielsen Norman Group's prediction of the number of UX professionals in the world. And it's going, it's, you know, the prediction is it's going to keep going up, right? So for all of these, these issues, for us as a profession, as a, as a field of practice, what should we be studying? If this curve holds true, we're going to need a whole lot more folks and we're going to have to get better at training, um, hiring, all sorts of stuff. So uh, I'm starting to think of sort of this, how do we think of our communities uh, in this sort of three layered way. One is I've noticed lots of meetups that have emerged that are for people that are interested in user experience, right? So meetups, free events, UX Brisbane is like one example. Um, and they're often mashed together with other things. So it's like user experience and product management, user experience and data, big data, user experience and digital marketing, right? These are great. These are great communities to get people together, to have them start learning about user experience, to get them excited. Uh, you know, a, a lot of folks from other, other professions are interested in user experience. This is the perfect way to bridge some of that gap. Um, and lots of for young people, and students to sort of get their feet wet. Then the next layer I would call sort of the practitioner layer where the focus is on jobs, either how to get a job or how to keep doing my job. We have conferences like UX Australia, which are awesome, but it's really around this community of practice of how we, how we teach each other how to do user experience in this social setting, right? And a lot about mentoring uh, like IXDA Sydney does, right? So a lot of, in this practitioner communities, it's a lot of more experienced people mentoring the, the younger people and, and helping them uh, get better at what they do. And then there's a professional level, which focuses more on things like BOK as a body of knowledge, right? So it's like, not only do I want to 
do, know how to do usability testing. I want to know the, the science behind usability testing and really the details. And I, I really want to do it right, right? And so like some of the things that, that um, you know, Dan was talking about, was like, hey, we're going up to the next level. We're not just doing we're not just doing questions. We're actually sort of getting into the science of questions. Uh, things about academics and a lot of connection to academia. So over on the right, I just did a sort of a random sample of different communities that I found in Australia, right? To, and started mapping them to sort of make sense where, you know, which ones are the more of the communities of interest, which ones are the community practice, which ones are a little bit more professional. I put things like Ozkai at the top. I'm not sure folks are even aware that there's this great, human computer interaction academic conference that's been going on for 30 years um, lots of body of knowledge research and so on that's that's been around um, sometimes it's hard to sort of uh, have that filter down into into our practitioner community but things like there's a melbourne cxpa customer experience and i put them at the top because one reason that you join that network is to get certified to get the cxpa certification right that's one of their goals so it's not just to hang out at a conference and get better but they're talking about certification um, so when we talk about user experience as a profession like what are the requirements how do how do we stack up i'm not quite sure so over on the left i've started making a list of things like when i look at other things that call themselves professions they have uh, lots of full-time occupations they have university programs they have training they have bodies of knowledge they have ethics some of them have licensing right some of them um, almost all of them are recognized by the government in some way um, on the right, I just pulled up, like, if you want to make bridges in Australia, if you want to be a, an engineer and, you know, help build bridges, you've got to get your accredited, uh, or you got to get a, a degree from an accredited university, you got to pass a test, so on and so forth. I should have used an architecture example like, like Dan used, but anyway, right, so how do we stack up compared to that? Um, so I did a little bit of research um, on different occupations in different countries. So there's actually an Australian and New Zealand standard classification of occupations. And I poked around for a day or so trying to find different user experience type occupations in the list. For Australia, I was impressed. I found two. I found one um, in this graphic design category called a web designer. And I found another in the, in the, in the IT, the ICT section called a usability architect, right? So um, somewhere in a database is an actual count of the number of 232414s that are that are registered or maybe not registered but just counted somewhere in australia right so hey that's 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 a start we're in there um i've also looked at canada and at the us and they've got some different models um in canada it has a classic uh, uh, a set of jobs that it calls professional, which in general means you need like a four-year degree before you get a job in it. And then they also have a technical, more of a technical track that, that's usually they say like you can get a job just with on the job training and that sort of stuff. And so somebody in Canada has, has noticed that there's been a, a lot of UX boot camps that, that are cranking out user experience designers. So this is sort of, you know, this is like a career path for somebody. And so that's documented by the Canadian government. That's, that's a sign that we're getting a little bit closer to maybe being a profession. In the U.S., it's pretty screwed up. This, the, the description of what they call a web graphic designer is like from like 1995 or whatever. So um, not much hope there. But what's interesting is I poked around. I couldn't find anything about user research. Um, you know, so again, if you wanted to 
be classified by the Australian government as a user researcher, they might call you a market researcher. I'm not quite sure. I could, you know, maybe an ethnographer. There's, there, there might be some other ones, but nothing specific, you know, that's more a specific occupation to user experience. Um, so when we think about sort of user experience across organizations, we're, we're getting into this multidisciplinary scale stuff, which is hard, right? I don't have any answers for it. Um, especially for, you know, for a country like Australia, how, how would you try to develop a profession or whatever? I'm, I'm not quite sure. It's really just to start the conversation. Um, but something that Tatiana said sort of resonated with me. If we want to stand tall and last a long time, we need to join roots. So um, that could be some advice for us. So how did I do on time, Steve? Am I uh, okay? You are, you are right on time, but uh, not, not time for questions. We've, okay. got a couple, we've got a couple in the Q&A panel though, um, and maybe you could take a quick look at those while we okay. move on to uh, our next speaker. Okay. But Sorry. thanks, Keith. That was, that was 